0: Thank you so much, Beth, and worship team. Really significant and powerful. Good morning. Good morning. going to ask you a question. Have you ever in your life found yourself in total and complete darkness? I was a a senior in college and I had an extra credit or two that I could take and they offered a scuba diving class in college. And uh, so you could take the class and become certified. So did the class, it was late fall. And I don't know if it's still true uh, in Illinois, but you had to do two dives. You couldn't just stay in the swimming pool to be certified. You had to do two dives. Um, in, uh, uh, in uh, a water, a body of water. And of course, we're in Illinois. There's no beautiful, big body of water even close to us, right? So we had to go to essentially what was large ponds. And, though, and so we went to a large pond and it was overcast day. It was a, a little chilly. We had our wetsuits on and it was our first dive. And the instructor said, hey, I'm going to be just a few seconds behind you. You guys drop down, and then I'll come and I'll have the big light. And we're like, okay. Now, I don't know if this was a test or not, but he was not a few seconds behind us. (laughs) So we dropped down into this pond. I I don't know exactly, 50 or, or 60 feet down, but it was this complete darkness that was there and and to add to the complete darkness it was very very cold and I couldn't hear anything except my, my labored breath through the breathing apparatus let's do a second and close your eyes and I still remember this moment I said this must be a little bit what death feels like like hell, complete, cold, silence, and darkness. Now keep your eyes closed for a little bit longer. Scripture talks about darkness in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense. And that darkness in a spiritual sense Feels a little bit like fear, or sometimes terror, or sometimes confusion, or a sense of lostness, a sense of desperation, a sense that all is lost and you're ready to give up. That's a A spiritual darkness that scripture talks about. And it's into that darkness, both physical and spiritual, that Jesus speaks and says, I am the light of the world. Okay, let's turn on the lights so you guys don't fall asleep during the rest of the message. Did I? We are, are starting our new series, um, and it is looking at the famous seven I Am statements of Jesus. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about this series because oftentimes, if you've heard this preached or if you've seen that, there's some kind of jingle going on or music. Can, am, I, am I the only one? Oh, okay. All right. Um, uh, so we're going to discover a little bit about who Jesus is and what he's about. But we're going to also do something else. We're going to approach these seven I am statements in a slightly different way because I'm convinced that Jesus chose these particular I am statements because of who we are and what we lack and how we are in need that that we're going to approach these 7i am statements not really first and foremost with what Jesus says about himself but we're going to approach perhaps that that need that longing that that desire that we have that that empty space that we have and the reason why Jesus chose that particular statement in in other words we're going to say first and foremost What was it about this idea of darkness? How do we understand from a biblical perspective that darkness, our need, how are we in dark and then understand a little bit more of what Jesus meant when he said, I am the light of the world. So let's do that right now. Let's jump into John. All of these I am statements are in... John, and we're going to be in chapter 9. He actually says, I am the light of the world two different times, John 8 and John 9. And this story that he um, shares this is the story of when he heals a blind man. And this man was blind from birth. Jesus heals him on the Sabbath day. He's going he's gonna to face a little bit of criticism for that And and so let's understand this first I am statement from Jesus. Actually, I think it's the second, but we're we're going in the order that makes sense to me. Um, When he says, I am the light of the world, it's in context. And in that story, it, it helps us understand the meaning, not only of Jesus as the light and we as the light, but also darkness. So John chapter 9, verse 1, he says this. As he went along, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither the man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me, works of the Father. Night is coming. He's probably talking about the cross and the evil one, Satan. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Imagine that for a moment, right? Spits on the ground. I don't know if the guy was too excited about it or not, but he spits on the ground, makes some saliva, wipes it on his eyes, and then Jesus says, Go. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly know, uh, seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. I love these little details that John puts into the gospel. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. Remember, he hadn't seen Jesus. He was blind. He'd only, he, he'd only seen after he'd gone away from Jesus to the pool of Siloam. Now, Jesus, as I said, he healed on a Sabbath. And the religious leaders who were really opposing Jesus, they bring this man who was born blind, now seeing, and they investigate them. him. They say, what's going on here? How did you, weren't you born blind? How did you? He says, yes, and he tells them the stories. They said, that does not make any sense because he healed you on the Sabbath. And the guy's like, hey, uh, I don't think God listens to sinners. All I'm telling you is that he, you know, he healed me. So they pull in his parents. And they're like, was he indeed born blind? And the parents are scared because you can be kicked out of the synagogue, right? If you're, you're going in opposition to the religious leaders. So they want to be real careful. They're like, hey, uh, he was born blind, but he's old enough. You ask him. So then they pull the guy back in. Now tell us the story again. And then the guy gets a little sarcastic. He's like, oh, do you want to be his disciples too? Again, that's proving my point that sarcasm can be a gift to the spirit, but that's really a rabbit trail. We're not going to go down there. All right. So he gets a little sarcastic. The religious leaders are super upset and they kick him out of the synagogue. All right. Now let's finish the story. Verse, look at verse 35. So he's kicked out of the synagogue. The religious leaders don't know what's going on. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. You see, in the kingdom of God, it's an upside-down kingdom. It's an inside up. The things that are up, they're actually down. The people who claim to see actually are blind. The people that recognize their blindness spiritually, they see. Some Pharisees who were with him, heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt Remains. Powerful, significant story. Let's unpack a little bit. What is Jesus? What does the story, how does it help us understand? First and foremost, darkness. When the Bible talks about darkness, it, it talks about darkness in a variety of different ways. Let's let's start with the miracle that happens in this story. Jesus heals. The blind man. Part of how the Bible talks about darkness is darkness is an absence or a diminishment of life. An absence or this diminishment of life. If someone is born blind, that is a diminishment of life. Jesus comes and heals the man born blind. Now, this is the only instance that he spits on the ground and makes some mud. A little mud patty, he gets working there, smears it on the man. So the question is, why did Jesus do that in this instance? Why did Jesus, he he heals from a distance, right? He He doesn't need any of that. He doesn't have to do that. There's nothing magic in the soil or the mud. Why does Jesus do that? Now, there's not a nowhere, like when he unpacks a a parable, does he say, here's the answer. But here's what a lot of, of students and scholars believe, is that Jesus did that for this miracle in particular, because he is pointing us back to the creation story. He's pointing us back. Do you remember when we're told in the opening chapters of Genesis when he makes Adam? Do you remember what he does? Where does he make Adam from? The dust, the earth, the soil. He forms Adam. And then God breathes life into him, known as that divine Kiss. That was the the moment of human life being created and formed. And then if you back up a little bit before Adam, do you realize that we're told in the opening verses of, of Scripture, in the beginning, the world, do you remember what the world was like in the beginning? We're told in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, now the earth was formless and empty. What's that next word? Huh. Darkness. Physical darkness. Was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so God spoke into the darkness and what did he say? Let Let there be light. And there was life. So, there's the, so the earth was formless and empty and lifeless and darkness was there and God spoke and brought life. Now in another in the beginning passage, the other in the beginning of the passage is John chapter one. You remember John in this gospel, he says in the beginning Do you think he was hearkening us back to the creation story? Absolutely. And the word, who was the word? So when God speaks, people listen, yes. (laughs) Nice Mike. When he speaks, he's speaking Jesus. And he says, let there be light and the light brings life. And then says, in John 1, 3 and 5, he's talking about Jesus, the word of God. He says this, Through him, all things were made. I I think we have John, don't we? Can we go to the next one, Ariel? The next slide? Maybe we don't. All right, just listen. He says, Through him, the word Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him, Jesus, the word, was life. And that life was the light of humankind. That life was the light of humankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So John is claiming that Jesus is the creator and the sustainer of all life. And when Jesus comes and tabernacles, he takes on flesh. So he continues that role as creator. He becomes the recreator, if you will, in life. That's why miracles was so important in Jesus' life and ministry. He's living out that place of creator. He's life, he's creating life he is the the source of all life amen, in this so when Jesus says I am the life, in one sense he's talking about in a very physical way he's the source of our physical life, he is creator, he is healer he is the restorer Think he didn't just do amazing miracles like this. Do You know, there's another circumstances. In fact, in fact, a couple were told at least of two, one of Lazarus, one uh, of Jairus' daughter, where she actually died and life leaves. And they bring Jesus to her. And we're told, but Jesus took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. And her spirit returned. Life returned at once. She stood up and Jesus told them to give her something to eat. That was a resurrection. That was the restoration of life. Jesus speaks light into this world. And he's recreating. I have some mind-blowing news for you. Jesus is still doing that today. Jesus is still about recreation. Jesus is still about healing and restoring. Jesus is at work as the author of life. As the healer of not just our souls, but our bodies. And do you know who he has chosen to be his hands and feet, that agent of healing and restoration? Yeah, look at your neighbor and say, You, wow, you, the church, the church, that's what he's saying, that we are to be people of light and life. No, 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 Jesus is the light, not us, right? That alone, that's true, well, okay, but no, that's not okay. Jesus said, I have it, I wish I would have used the other scripture in your, in your bulletin. Look at the, the very bottom of the, this should be the scripture that's there. I think we have that. Yeah, we do have that. It's Matthew 5, 14 and 16, where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? I thought Jesus was the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And now, Through us, yes, you are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He's calling us to be a people of life. A people of uh, light, that that source where we're doing good, whether that is praying for people's healing and restoring or simply meeting the needs of people uh, uh, living for justice and good. He's saying, let your goodness, let your life be people of goodness and grace and healing and restoration We were at a conference at a church this past week and got to hear a couple of testimonies and stories. And there was one um, woman, she's a pastor at a large church. She's the executive pastor. And she tells the story of the loss of her husband. Very hard. She's a, it was unexpected. All of a sudden, she's not only executive pastor, but a single mom. And then, And then her son was diagnosed at age 20 with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And you can imagine how devastating that would have been. And she shared a little bit of her story about how hard it was to be a pastor during that time. She said, you know, when people ask for prayers for cats... It was hard to pray for them. Yeah. So she's like, nothing about about cats. I was like, no, that's okay to say. I think that's good. (laughs) And she said, you know, also it was really hard because I was continuing to pray for healing for people and people were getting healed as I prayed for them. And my my son was still struggling with Hodgkin's lymphoma. God had, had chosen not to heal him, and we're journeying through this. I thought, what a, what a picture of, of living into the mystery of God. What 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 a picture of this of this woman being able to affirm that God is a God of life and light and healing and restoration and yet also recognizing there's mystery, we don't get all the answers, and yet she was living in the way that she was that source of light and life to others. I thought, what a beautiful picture of living in obedience, being a person of light and life, and yet not getting it all and how it works and healing. And yet, James 5, if any of you are sick, call the elders and bring them and you'll receive it. So she's living in obedience to the scriptures and yet holding her dear son in God's hands. happy to say that her son was in the conference there healed and made whole and yet what this, this picture I, I never want to stop seeking to be that person of light and life there's one last thing uh, left to be said here is that so often we see ailments and pain and difficulty, things like cancer, uh, things like Hodgkin's lymphoma, and we say, well, that must be God's plans and purposes for us. That's not how Jesus saw them. Jesus saw them as darkness. Jesus saw them as the work of the enemy. Jesus saw his own life and ministry coming in direct conflict with the work of the enemy that's why he became heal- came healing and Jesus sees the mission of the church yes does god work sometimes in those, all the times, if we give it over to him, Romans twenty eight. He'll all things he'll use for good. Yeah, I, yeah, so absolutely. And yet, thinking along kingdom lines is, we recognize that as physical darkness, the diminishment of life. And Jesus is the light of the world, and he calls us to join him in shining our light in this broken world. You are the light of the world. Now darkness is not only the absence and diminishment of life, but also there is another dimension of darkness that scripture talks about. Darkness as the absence of the wisdom, the truth, and the revelation of God. The prophet Micah At one point in 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 his ministry, he is really rebuking and bringing the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders to tasks, the prophets, the priests, all the leaders. And listen to what he says. This is Micah 3.8. He says, therefore, it shall be night to you without vision. And darkness to you without revelation. The sun shall go down upon the prophets. And the day shall be black over them. He's not talking primarily about physical darkness. What is he talking about? You you could call it a, a soul darkness. If your soul is your mind and your heart and your will decision-making conscience, he's saying, you guys are disobedient. You're misrepresenting God. And so darkness will come. No more revelation. No more vision of God. In fact, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, when that ended, do you realize that there was a four-year, over 400 years, the prophetic voice of God, the revelation of, Voice of God, silent. And then, Jesus was born. And when the, in, a, in a beautiful story, when, when um, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, Simeon is there. And he, and he takes Jesus into his arms. And listen to what Simeon says. For my eyes have seen salvation. Do we have this one? This is Luke 2. Go next up, Ariel. Next, uh, do we not have? We do have it. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a, isn't it cool one scripture does that? A light. Who's the light? Who, who does Simeon have in his hands? Right? He's holding Jesus. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people, Israel. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's saying, I am the very truth of God. I am the the revelation of God. I am the wisdom of God. He is speaking into the darkness of our minds and our hearts when we lack God's wisdom, lack God's revelation, lack God's truth. And then also, he says, you get to be the people of revelation you get to be the prophetic voice you get to be in this this world that is full of darkness that does not know what it's doing that's tumbling could you not watch the news of washington this past week and go ugh, darkness ugh. This world missing. Where is the wisdom and revelation of God? He's inviting the church to be that wisdom that you are a people of revelation. That's why the apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 says this. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, may he give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray That, yes, that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart may be... hmm, That he'd fill you with revelation and wisdom and light and that you would not be this cesspool that would just hold that wisdom. But you would lovingly share that wisdom, that revelation with this world that needs it so desperately that you would be a people of revelation as good evangelicals we would say, oh, of course he's talking about the Bible. Yes, of course he's talking about the Bible and that is the foundation of God's revelation to us in our lives, certainly. But there's also other areas of revelation that we would be a people that are seeking God's voice in the pages of scripture, but also in every area that he chooses, the still small voice within, a line from a song or a sermon, a phrase uttered by a friend or sometimes an enemy, that we would be a people of truth, a people of revelation. Look again at the beginning of the story where they see the man born blind and you remember the question of the disciples. They said, well, rabbi, was it it his sin or was it the parents' sin? And what does Jesus say? Neither. What he's doing is he's sharing revelation with his disciples in this moment, you see, it was seen in, in, in the day of Jesus that the only uh, the only cause and result of sin uh, of uh, uh, of something like blindness uh, that someone sinned, right? So so blindness or anything else, skin disease or uh, not fully developed is the result of sin. Jesus speaks a word of revelation. He says, actually, in this instance. Neither. That God allowed this because he's going to use this story to be a form of revelation to his people. That he's going to use the story to give God glory, to reveal that Jesus is the light of the world, that he comes healing and restoring. And he's going to use to teach something about the age-old story of suffering. That sometimes God allows this for His glory and His honor and His praise. I'll give you another example of revelation that wasn't from Scripture, actually, related to suffering. Many of you have either read the book or, or seen the movie "The Shack." How many have done that just out of curiosity, quite? Quite a few of you, a little bit controversial, but I, I recommend it. It's really great moments of truth and reality in there, and um, and we were uh, when I was reading the book, but also watching the movie. It was really poignant. There's a number of places I, I was like weeping because it, it's a hard story that's told. That Mac is the main uh, uh, character. His daughter is abducted and killed, and he is bitter towards God as many of us unfortunately would be. And so uh, he is kind of miraculously invited to the shack and he experiences God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so there's these key moments that he's wrestling through suffering, that, uh, you know, back and forth. And you, and you feel the pain, his daughter and Max pain, and his anger with God. And just this one scene where um, he they brought him to a field, and they see all these kids playing, and you see the figure that is Jesus. And you see Max's little daughter playing with Jesus in delight, a picture of heaven with Jesus. And I was ruined at that moment. I was like, ah. You know what that revelation to me was? Revelation was simply that all the suffering that we endure in this life. Yes, sometimes it's because of free will, because of our own sin or because of other sins. Not every instance, but sometimes. Sometimes it's simply because God is allowing and going to bring glory to his people. But every instance we need to see in the light of eternity. We need to say, see Jesus' perspective, the Father's perspective of a momentary pain in the light of eternity with the Father, with Christ Jesus. We are called to be a people of revelation, called to be a people of God's wisdom, Paul said this in Romans. He was talking about the fall and the deterioration, really, of humankind. And he says, humankind, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Friends, this world desperately needs... God's revelation, God's wisdom, God's light, because so much is darkened and foolish. And the third way that scripture talks about darkness is in a spiritual sense, a spiritual darkness. Darkness. As a spiritual darkness. I love how the story ends. I love that it ends with this salvation story. Jesus finds him, shares, and affirms that he is the Messiah, and then the man receives sight. The more important sight. He had received the physical sight. Then he received the spiritual sight isaiah nine two says this, this is usually a Christmas story uh, passage. It says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. What a visual that is walking in darkness. on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned was he saying that the people were without a sun and a moon and stars that's not what isaiah is talking about what's isaiah talking about the darkness within jesus is the light of the world in that sense uh, Jesus said, when, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never, what? Walk in, Walk in darkness, but will have the light of life within them. I thought of a very gross and disgusting illustration. So I have a little video clip. No, I'm just kidding. That's not... Uh, it's a show that we really don't watch. We just see it um, and go, "Ugh, how is that so popular? It's like one of the most popular shows. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Walking Dead. <laughs> right? Even the commercials, you're like, Ugh, turn away. Right? It's so gross. So I, I would not recommend that, and we're not going to show a video. <laughs> but would we spiritualize that for a moment? He's saying Isaiah is saying that the people of this world are the walking dead, perhaps not nearly as gross as the show, but far more significant. Amen. they're walking there is a a deadness in their sin. They don't know the creator of their soul. They don't know the source of revelation and truth. They don't know the author. We, if we are not followers of Christ Jesus, we do not know the author of life and he's come to bring forgiveness and true life and real life and glorious life. Jesus he he said he is the light of the world and he says what happens how he turns on the light let me unpack that for you for just a moment what he meets with uh, another religious leader but this religious leader nicodemus was curious and interesting and he says to the to nicodemus he says you must be born again And Nicodemus is not thinking of spiritual lines. He's thinking of physical. He says, how can a man enter his mother's womb again? And that's gross, right? So no, Jesus said, how, come on, no. He says, you must be born. When you are born physically, there is this deadness of the spirit. Some of you know this this three-circle diagram that I like to use because you've got the body. Jesus is the light of the world in our body. Jesus is the light of the world in our soul, our emotions, our minds, the hearts that are are darkened. But he says there there is a deadness of spirit in those who do not know Jesus Christ. And that when you, when this blind man who began to see, when he sees Jesus and he says, I believe, and he worshipped, what happened was of great spiritual significance. The Spirit of God entered his life and brought light and life to his spirit, go to the next one. No more darkness, no more gray, true life. The man was born again. Jesus is the light of the world. And then incredibly, you and I get to be conduits of that. We get to share with this broken world that you can have true life within. Go to the final verse that we have. This is in your bulletins. It's the part of the upper one. We switched them. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Genesis all over again. You're a new creation. You're not like who you used to be there's light within the old has gone the new is here live as people of life from the inside out I want to invite the the prayer folks for we're going to close with a song and I want to invite you to think about how you might be prayed for might not be for everyone. Ariel, if we could go back to the the good diagram, not the Walking Dead diagram. There, that one's a good one. Yeah. And I want you to think about Jesus as the light of the world. He's the author of life, and he's offering healing and restoration. This very moment. That as a church, as a community of faith, shouldn't we be praying for one another? Regardless of what that is, If is, we're not going to understand the mystery, right? We're not going to do it. But we get to pray for healing and restoration. So I want to encourage you, if you are here this morning, if there's any physical ailment, that you would love these prayer warriors to pray over you would you come and uh, pray be prayed for it doesn't matter uh, what it is nothing's too small it could be for eyesight it could be for cancer we again we live into this mystery we obey God we pray we trust him with the results right Is there a a need in your soul? You know, the enemy of your soul, Satan, he's behind all of these forms of darkness. Did you know that? And one of the key ways is he's the father of lies. Is there a lie that you're wrestling with? You, you know, you're, 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 you're tempted to, to believe something. You, you know it in your heart of hearts, in your soul. You know it's not true, but, but there's this justification and it's this lie. And, and you just need to ask for the truth of God The revelation. Maybe there's a confusion in your heart and soul. Maybe you don't know which way you're going and you just want to be prayed for your soul. And then finally, if you've never been, if you've never received Christ Jesus, if you have never become a new creation. I'll be available. You can pray with me. You can come uh, to this center and I'll pray with you. If you're unsure, if you want to recommit your life to Christ, you can also come to me. I'd be honored to pray. The light of life to lead you in being a new creation. Again, body or soul for healing and restoration there, uh, new life, you could come to me. Can we stand together? Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you that you are the light of life. Incredibly, you've called us to join our lights to you. We worship you in your precious and powerful name. Amen.